the forbidden door of professional wrestling with heel turns and headlocks a podcast dedicated to all elite wrestling impact wrestling ring of honor and new japan pro wrestling hosted by bear DiGiulio and brian lapray Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Heel Turns and Headlocks podcast. My name is Bran LePray, and with me as always, the, I don't even know what to call you anymore. You have so many nicknames. I was going to say the devil himself, because, uh, well, it's topical. So let's just go with that. The the devil himself, Bear Julio. Bucky. Yeah. And there goes the explosive tag. Oh, well. Uh, Shit happens. Shit happens when you party Uh, naked, so whatever. We're not naked, though. Our intros every time, I swear. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to the Hill Turns and Headlocks podcast. We hope you have a lovely stay. Uh, we're here to talk about something that might not be so lovely, though. Well, I, I guess it depends on what your perspective is. But we're here to talk about something quite interesting, I would say. Something that we normally don't do. We normally don't go into the dirt sheet side of things. But when it comes to the topic at hand, it felt like it was... If not necessary, then just a fun conversation to have. So why not? We're here to talk about contracts. And it's not, you know, the NBA, the NFL, or any other sports league in the entire world where you actually know what contracts look like through the internet. But professional wrestling contracts have become a hot topic lately. That has been true across the industry, but namely in AEW, because two of the biggest acts in all professional wrestling could seemingly be on their way out pretty soon. Uh, That's pretty shocking to hear. One, of course, being William Regal. William Regal, obviously the leader of the Blackpool Combat Club, I guess, or mentor of, uh, also one of just one of the greatest of all time in the ring, and obviously former general manager of NXT. It seems like his contract could be coming up at any point between, I don't know, tomorrow and three years from now. Nobody really seems to know. We're going to get to the bottom of that. The other one is FTR, arguably the best tag team in the world. One of the most, I mean, I don't think there's any argument for, or or not for rather, but against them being perhaps the most popular and over tag team in AEW right now. They could seemingly be on the way out in the next few months as well. And that could lead to a hiatus from wrestling. That could lead to them going to a different company. Nobody really knows. But the bottom line is two of the biggest acts in the industry could be changing companies or just changing structures of contracts. Nobody knows. But we want to get to the bottom of that. And I think that the place to start is, in my opinion, in the ring, right? And that is with former AEW, former basically if there is a tag team championship to be held besides the impact in NWA, they've held it FTR. I mean, the what the first, right, the first Grand Slam tag team champions in WWE history. And I mean, they've since then it's just been 
accolade after accolade, but apparently they might be leaving AEW. It's crazy to think about, right? I mean, two-time NXT Tag Team Champions, two-time Raw Tag Team Champions, one-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, One of them held the 24-7 Championship, apparently. Cool. The former AEW Tag Team Champions, AAA World Tag Team Champions currently, IWGP Tag Team Champions currently, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions currently. If there's a Mount Rushmore of Tag Team Wrestling, which is another episode we should do, FTR is probably already up there, despite what having been they debuted years active 2014, excuse me, till present. That's eight years. I had to do the math on my hands. I'm sorry. Eight years. Yeah, no, math hard. They've only been a tag team for eight fucking years, which is crazy. So Dax Harwood recently sat down with Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. And thank you to wrestlinginc.com for the transcript. Dax Harwood said, we've thought about it. What if we just take a year off TV? Harwood opened, Harwood opened up about some of the time FTR has spent away from the grind of nationally televised pro wrestling, including Big Time Wrestling's event earlier this year, Earlier this year, where the duo took on the Rock and Roll Express this pa- and this past weekend, FTR team with the returning Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Quote, you might not see us mainstream, but it's just so we can rest our bodies, and two, so we can do things that make us happy and bring us joy. So... <laughs> that's what wrestling's all about that, you know yeah I mean, of course there might um, be some yeah. reasons that people might get upset at people for things like this it's their lives i don't know why we get upset but no but twitter just wants rest, to be upset about everything so fair point but rest your body i mean by all means dude do what you gotta do they do also or dex also mentions the idea that triple h paul Levesque, the quote he put the tag belts on a relatively unknown relatively unproven tag team and let us run the revival obviously stayed in nxt until 2017 before they were called before they were called up to the main roster of wwe um and then obviously frustration over their creative direction led them to parting ways with the company in april 2020 when we were dax said when we were ready to go tony khan was there to pick us up pick us up excuse me so i got loyalty to both of them both of them being tony khan and triple h so it's interesting that he brings up Triple H, and maybe this is one of those things where let's nudge our owner a little bit, like, hmm, maybe you should pay us a little more, buddy, buddy, which, again, this isn't the NBA. We don't know what these guys are making. It's not like, you know, I could Google Justin Fields' contract right now. I can Google LeBron James' contract right now. I had to bring up Justin Fields first. You know, it's just one of those things. He's a we, Bears we, fan. Let him, let him have it. They haven't had a good quarterback ever. Shout out Rex Grossman. Shout out Jay Cutler. But like, oh fuck no. So we we know what those guys make. We don't know what FTR is making. Is it a, is it a money thing? We don't we don't know. But he's got a loyalty to both Triple H and Tony Khan. So it's interesting that he brings that up. It's interesting that like it. I was just telling Brian this point earlier, and I want Brian's input on this as well. If hypothetically FTR does an indie run for a couple months and then they find themselves back in WWE, this is no knock on WWE's tag team division, but the Usos have held the tag team championships now for fuck knows how long, but they haven't really defended them quite as often as, you know, Brain and I being tag team, what's the word, aficionados or whatever the fuck? I don't know words. Aficionados, baby. That's the one. Aficionados. What an Italian pronunciation that was. 
I, you know, hey, I do what I can. <laughs> but like, but we've seen we. I'm not saying that the the feud wouldn't bang right now, FTR and the Usos, hypothetically. But aside from that, aside from maybe a first time match between FTR and the Street Profits, for example, or FTR against, you know, we saw them have a banger of a match against, you know, um, Alpha Academy, or not Alpha Academy, American Alpha, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. Jason Jordan no longer active in ring. Now we have Chad Gable and Otis. That'd be a cool match. But other than that, you know, there's so many more possibilities in AEW because of the Forbidden Door, because of what Tony Khan allows the wrestlers to do. We see FTR competing for championship after championship and winning them. I think they probably are pro- realistically are next in line to dethrone the acclaimed. I think, you know, I love the acclaimed. I love the whole fucking concept of scissoring. They are over. Well, that came out weird, but I promise what you. What a quote. If we're going to use a clip from this episode to promote it, that is the one. Promote scissoring. It's just FTR are so over, are so popular, are so all of the above. The acclaimed, obviously, so over, so popular. God bless them. They just, they're, they've got daddy ass just super relevant, more over than his two children which is wild to me you know it's 2022 and billy gunn is like probably the most over dx member nowadays besides triple h i guess i was about to say this is the most over that he has been since dx like right. I, don't, I don't even think that's a hot take i think no. that's just like no he's more over now than he's been since dx <laughs> but that's just how that's just how good the acclaimed have been you know yeah. they've both been just so fun to watch and it's not even just it it's not even the in-ring. I mean, those matches that they had with Swerve in Our Glory, fire. Oh, yeah. fire. Especially the pay-per-view. Oh, my God. I was there live. Like, I was there live, and I was sitting there like, fuck, I hope the acclaimed win. And then when they lost, I was like, ah, you should call a fucking audible. But I'm not here to book. But they end up winning, and now all is right in the world-ish, kind of. All really... that ends well. Exactly. So... I don't know. My my point about FTR in general is just like there's so much more possibility of them either staying in AEW or doing the indies for a little bit and fighting up and coming tag teams or continuing what they're doing now, which I know maybe they're upset with the lack of television time. Who knows? Because for being such a great tag team and probably on the Mount Rushmore of tag team wrestling, they're not on television quite as often as you think they would be. Especially when this year they've like they've been popular, right? They they've been successful. That's they have a dope theme song. Great, oh, absolutely. Banger. That that's not something that has changed, but their level of popularity and their level of overness has just reached a new height in 2022. It really felt like during the first half of the year, it was like it is blatantly obvious that they're the most over tag team in wrestling and it was honestly at the point where it was almost like they kind of feel like the most overact in wrestling period like every single venue they go to they're getting the loudest reaction of the night every single venue they go to they're also having whether it's dax and singles or them as a tag team they're probably going to have the match of the night 
Also around that halfway point, a lot of people were talking about Dax Harwood as the wrestler of the year on top of FTR being the tag team of the year. They were dominating in every way except for holding those AEW World Tag Team titles. It seemed like the most obvious thing in the world was round three of FTR versus the Young Bucks at the pay-per-view with FTR potentially holding all of the gold because they're also Ring of Honor, IWGP, AAA Tag Team Champions. And it never happened. And it really feels like since then, which was a decision that I think even the most diehard of AEW fans question, it just kind of seems like they've been, like they're not completely out of the spotlight, but they're in this like complimentary role now. It would be like, I don't know. You just drafted Kevin Durant out of Texas and you're like, hey, we only want you to shoot eight to 10 times a game. Sorry if you're not a basketball fan. Essentially, what I'm saying is you want that dude shooting 16, 20 times a game. Doesn't even matter if they're going in, if they're as over as they are. And when they go in as often as they do, when you're as good as that person is, as that tag team is, why not just pull the trigger? Why not capitalize? Why not, to quote what Bear always says, why not strike while the iron is hot? And I think a lot of times in wrestling, you just assume like, well, they're over, but they'll, they'll stay over. And it's like, in a perfect world, they will. But there are peaks and valleys in wrestling. There are peaks and valleys in everything in life. And popularity is especially true in that. So FTR is still incredibly popular. But when the only time we see them on AEW television is so they can come out and save Wardlow and Samoa Joe from whatever job or faction they're going against. I don't know how that's really capitalizing on this when what people really want to see is, hey, you mean FTR, the team that has arguably all four of the best tag team matches of 2022? Their two matches against the Briscoes, their match against Aussie Open, and their match against the Young Bucks. All considered match of the year in tag team wrestling. I I, I might be overlooking one, but I'm pretty sure those are the like almost consensus top four tag team matches of the year. Yeah. All that one team. Maybe, just maybe, the fact that three out of those four matches were not technically AEW matches. I know they own Ring of Honor, but it's not AEW. Maybe that should be viewed as something of a problem. And maybe FTR views that as something of a problem. It's crazy to think that the four best tag team matches, the one common denominator is FTR. And like you said, they've been used in such a weird, the sense of like, Oh, here Ward, our former pinnacle buddy Wardlow's getting hurt. Let's come out and help him. It's like, yeah, I get it, but at the same, and I appreciate the callback to that faction. But it's like, dude, you have gold right here. FTR is fucking gold. I understand. Maybe you had to pull an audible because FTR because the acclaim got so over and. You had to capitalize on that, and you know we're all in the business of striking while the iron's hot, and I I understand that concept, but you got to keep them front and center in some capacity. I know there's only so you know this isn't WWE in the sense of like you have twenty hours of fucking TV a week. AEW doesn't have that luxury, you know they've got two hours of dynamite and one of rampage, and then I I don't know the numbers, but people. Don't do people watch dark and elevation religiously like that? I doubt it. A select few, right? And if if you do and you say that you do, you you're probably lying, right? 
My my thought is also just even if it's a short reign, right? I like Swerve and Our Glory. I think they were a surprisingly good tag team. That reign that they had, I don't know how you argue for them over FTR. Right. Like, I don't care if FTR wins it and then Swerve and Our Glory gets over by getting a, a, a crazy win over FTR that nobody sees coming and then right back to the drawing board. Whatever. I, I don't know. That's why I'm not the booker. But Swerve and Our Glory held the title for, what, 70 days, I believe? Not even that long of a reign. So it's not... It was impactful, though. It was, absolutely. And I'm not taking anything away from those guys. Like, let that be known. I think that they incredibly overachieved as a tag team that was basically just thrown together without any real reason, I feel like. And they gave us a reason to believe in them. They were Their double-team offense was awesome. Their chemistry was off the charts. They told a story as a tag team. It was great. But I don't even think that the FTR situation conflicted with the Acclaim situation because I think the FTR situation conflicted with Jurassic Express holding the title for five, what, five and a half months. It conflicted with the Young Bucks holding the titles after that. It conflicted with Swerve and Our Glory holding the titles after that. I get that you wanted to press fast forward on this Jungle Boy singles push, and that's fine. But that was three different reigns before the acclaimed became the most over tag team in AEW. And even still, even as over as they are, FDR are pretty matching, much matching them stride for stride. You had nine and a half months, almost 10 full months to put the titles on FTR when they were white hot. On top of that, can I just point out really quick that I'm almost positive. The reason that the ranking system is never brought up anymore. Mm-hmm. Is because FTR was on top for probably all three Months. of those reigns between Jurassic Express, um, the Young Bucks, and Swerve in Our Glory. Yeah, I think the number one ranked tag team had been FTR, and they were never getting those the opportunities, and yeah. it didn't make it didn't make sense. And and they were wrestling great teams; they were having matches. It just never led to title shots. And obviously, look again. They're having incredible success the world over, right? Like, all, literally all over the world. They just had, I mean, they've won titles in Mexico and Japan. They had that classic match against the instant classic against Aussie Open in England. It's, they're clearly experiencing success. But if your parent company, if your company that you were specifically signed to is not capitalizing on your strongest momentum, I think it's understandable to maybe take a step back and question, is this the place that is best for us to be? And and I don't feel like that's unfair. The question, though, becomes, as Bear put it, so who the fuck would they wrestle in WWE that is fresh and new? And obviously, they could maybe go over to Japan full time with New Japan, or at least more frequently. I know that they both spoken about how much that experience has meant to them. that they dreamed of wrestling in Japan and they recently got to against Jeff Cobb and the great Okan. They really enjoyed that. I could totally see them doing more of that. I could see them being complete freelancers with the complete autonomy to go places. But I think it's just, maybe it's our, our irrational brain or maybe it's our rational brain. I don't really know, 
But I think we all, when we hear someone's leaving one of the biggest wrestling companies in the world, our instinct is to go, so are they going back to WWE? And I mean, I mean, you and I were talking about it before we got on here. Yeah, you know, a, a rivalry with the Street Profits would be cool. That that hasn't been done. Uh, you know, it, American Alpha is a good tag team. You know, the Dirty Dogs are a good tag team. But it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much there is to do in that tag team division that they hadn't already done, even if they didn't do it as well as they wanted to do because of just the way Vince McMahon viewed tag team wrestling, which is well-documented at this point. Yeah. And Triple H obviously views it much differently. That's why they're the NXT tag team titles before AEW came along were the most coveted tag team titles in the industry. So I think that there's like WWE has a leg to stand on in that Triple H has valued tag team wrestling Forever. I mean, he was in tag teams. He he NXT built an incredible tag team division and sustained that throughout his tenure on top. But there, like to me, there's like two or three years worth of rebuilding in that tag team division before it's anything close to what it should be. It's got potential, but yeah. I, I just I love FDR. I just don't know how much. Signing one team changes that. You you still have quite a few holes to fill, in my opinion. Speaking of holes to fill, <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna go back to the first point we made earlier about FTR and William Regal, right? This kind of coincides with Brian's point about NXT and how. William Regal was a very big part of that. He was the only GM that actually was a GM. You know, we remember GMs back in the day between Stephanie McMahon and Eric Bischoff and Teddy Long and all that. And all of them served their purpose, but I don't think any GM portrayed their role to a fucking T than William Regal did back in black and gold NXT. Um, We don't, again, we don't know contract statuses. We don't know anything like that. And did, did you have another point about FTR before I segue to William Regal? No, no. I, th- I think this is a perfect segue because that's really what this comes down to, right? Does it make sense for them to go back to WWE? Obviously not collectively, but right. I guess it, the stars kind of align in a way where they would be going back in, around the same time if that were to transpire. So we saw Triple H tweet. Um, right before Survivor Series War Games, that tonight wouldn't be the same without William Regal saying War Games or however the fuck he says it. I can't do it justice. There have been a lot of rumors about the leader or mentor of the Blackpool Combat Club and Fightful Select, we're just quoting them all day, followed up on the story with the following note. Talent is of the belief that William Regal's AEW deal could be up in December of this year, which... As of this recording, it is December 1st. And for those of you that watched Dynamite last night, MJF attacked William Regal. Kind of looked like a way to write him off a of TV. It's a possibility. We know that William Regal has a very strong relationship with Triple H. Brian also mentioned to me earlier, and 
not that I forgot, it just kind of slipped my mind, but William Regal's son is wrestling in NXT. Can, can so, you imagine getting mad at someone for being like, hey, I want to spend time with my son? You son of a bitch. What about the Blackpool Combat Club? How dare you? Those are your real children. Ruler Yuda needs you. <laughs> so it's it's potentially it's a real conversation, by the way. Oh, that the, the, I guarantee you this has happened at one point on Twitter. It's it's crazy to think because you know William Regal and Triple H had that awesome dynamic between the two of them during the NXT black and gold era. William Regal was his right-hand man. He helped scout talent. He knew William Regal was probably the main reason NXT succeeded in the way that it did under Triple H's vision. And then when Vince McMahon, again, I don't want to go down the sex pest train. However, when Vince McMahon decided to fire damn near half the roster, William Regal was a part of that. To me, that was probably the most shocking release of them all aside from guys like braun Strowman, someone like dakota kai but guess what triple h got them all back and now that william regal is signed to another company and he can't just sign him back it's it's a it's a bit it's a bit interesting again we don't know contracts in wrestling we don't know about opt-out clauses or anything of that sort i thought it was rumored that william regal had said that he had signed a three-year deal with aew can he opt out after a year? Has it even been a year since he's been in AEW? I don't think so, because I just saw a tweet, by the way, today, that AEW one year ago today, Cody Rhodes went through a flaming table on Dynamite with Andrade. What a weird year it's been. It has been 365 days since Cody... By the way, Cody Rhodes took a back pump to a flaming table purposely. Like, if you're gonna... Why why not just push Andrade into the table instead of, like, putting yourself... He got more of the burn than fucking Andrade did. God, that bugs me still. Yeah, and, and it's also, thank God, because why would... Not to, to beat a dead horse, but... Taking a face-first bump through a table doesn't sound like the most pleasant time, even if it's not on fire. Just all around horrible, horrible time. My point is, though, like anything can happen in wrestling, right? And William Regal hasn't even been, excuse me, in AEW for a year. He's been a very integral part, though, of John Moxley's, what, three championship reigns in AEW now. Brian Danielson, who should have a championship by now. Claudio, who, you know, has really benefited from the addition of the Blackpool Comic Club. Wheeler Yuta, obviously learning under that tree. Very cool concept of a group. But without him, without William Regal, I don't know. I wish I wish we could get trades in wrestling. Like, okay, Hunter, you want William Regal? You want him back? Yeah. We want who's a, who, who's even an equivalent in WWE? I don't think there is, unless I mean, shout out Adam Pierce from his NWA days. Those those were good times. I I'd say no. Exactly. If if I'm the opposing GM and you want to treat me William Regal for Adam Pierce, I'm sorry, Adam Pierce. I know you're a I think he's a Green Bay guy. Actually, fuck you. But like, I'd say no. I'd say no. 
You know, and, and that's that's not even a knock against Adam Pierce. That's no, just, I like Adam Pierce. William Regal occupies a very unique space in professional wrestling. There are yeah. not a lot of people. Honestly, the and I'm not going to get into comparing who's better and who blah blah. Like that's not my point. The only person I can really think of comparing him to is Paul Heyman and Zelina Vega because they're the only two people in wrestling I could think of right now who never wrestle and always get acts over. Yep. Like good point. Good point. And that's a very unique skill to have and an incredibly valuable skill to have in terms of the wwe mold right i think that's one of the things that i mean look back like people always heart, oh remember the 80s and blah. you know it was something in the 80s everybody had a manager holy yeah. shit and managers had like eight wrestlers under their umbrella i swear bobby heenan mar- managed everybody like but there were a bunch of different managers and the managers a lot of times were able to get almost as over as the wrestlers you know Paul Heyman back then, what longevity, by the way, uh, yeah. you know, Lou Albano and, and Mr. Fuji and all these people got their acts over. William Regal played a crucial part in Black Bull Combat Club. Yeah. I, I mean, he basically gave that group an identity beyond just like, well, two of the best wrestlers in the world and they like to beat the shit out of people. And now it's like. Yeah, and the person who's been pulling these strings and orchestrating everything is the one dude who has mentored both of them. And it's like there were roots and there was history. And to your point from earlier, Regal managed to do that with the general manager role. And maybe it's his experience from being a commissioner in the Attitude Era. But to me, I I feel like it's just... Regal has this innate ability to just... I was going to say understand the assignment, but. No, that works. Yeah, I guess that's what he does. He understands the assignment. He understands what his character is supposed supposed to do and provide to the bigger picture. In NXT, I mean, it, it could be as simple as being there when people are having a brawl and he's looking all menacing and angry. And you're like, dude's tall as hell. He can still knock anybody out. He's bigger than most of the wrestlers. Like. I'm, he's bigger than MJF. So when MJF knocked him out, it actually looked like, oh shit. <laughs> like it, it's different than some dude who has never wrestled. I say that as someone who has never wrestled. Regal being one of the greatest wrestlers to never win the world title is a huge reason why everything else works. And I, I personally feel like if he's leaving, I won't even waste a moment of time faulting him. Because A, I know he'll bring value anywhere he goes. And B, if he wants to stay in AEW, he likes it there. Good for him. If he wants to go back to WWE, his son is there, dude. I don't, I don't know if I don't know why anything else needs to be said. Even if he wasn't close friends with Triple H, even if he hadn't dedicated the last 20 some odd years of his life to WWE. His son's there. If he wants to watch his son grow and help his son grow, and that's literally the only reason he wants to go back, good enough for me. It's just, I guess the only follow-up question, and I would love to hear your thoughts, is so where does Blackpool Combat Club go? Where does John Moxley wanting revenge on Regal go? Where does MJF go? I guess we've gotten some of those answers, 
But this, I think, could actually be a decent loss for AEW in terms of that long-term storytelling model that produces incredible results when done right, but is just inherently vulnerable to departures and injuries. And this is a great example of that. It's going to be interesting because we've already seen the 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 seeds being planted now for the Hangman Page and John Moxley feud, which I think is a great idea considering what happened between the two at Moxley's um, title defense against Hangman just what like a month or so ago when Hang- it, they couldn't finish the match. I think that's a cool storyline. Where does Danielson go from here? Where does Claudio and Wheeler Yuta go from here? We don't really know. It's going to be interesting to see. I know they're still, for whatever reason, um, kind of feuding with the Jericho Appreciation Society, which I wish that would end yesterday. I digress. Um, I want to get back to a point really quick um, about trades really quick. Do you remember, and I'm, I'm asking Brian, but I'm asking all you guys listening right now. In 2012... When WWE and TNA had that really random talent swap, when Ric Flair yes. was being inducted to the Hall of Fame as a part of the Four Horsemen, and in return, TNA got like one night of the return of Christian Cage. And didn't he have the Intercontinental title with him? He was he the Intercontinental out? Champion, yes. Yeah, that, was, that was a good ass time let me tell you it was such a dope time because when that happened and i'm you know we're we were big impact we still are big impact fans yeah watching that we're like what what that was the forbidden door that was that that was like in our time as fans as teenagers we're watching that and we're like holy shit you are underestimating how old you are if you're saying teenagers but you're right 2012 Oh fuck! I was twenty. <laughs> fuck! God, I hate life. Life. Whatever the case may be, I was almost a teenager. However, I'm watching that as a fucking twenty year old. Like, holy hell! So, my idea, Brian, and bear with me. You want to go back, Daddy Hunter? I want one night of AJ Styles against Kenny by God Omega. I don't care where. I, I don't want it on Dynamite. God damn it. It's got to be a fucking pay-per-view. But imagine Kenny versus AJ. You want William Regal back? You got it. But we want one night of AJ Styles. Who says no? Dude, you know what's interesting to think about now that you mentioned that? Is the fact that Carl Anderson has all of this going on with the Never Open Weight Championship in New Japan. Bingo. Where Bingo. he is still actively the champion and still being discussed for dates so it stands to reason that it could happen that it could could happen happen. that i mean i mean you and i were talking the other day about the holy shit fantasy idea of can you imagine if after kenny versus osprey at wrestle kingdom aj styles comes out to challenge whoever wins i mean like Bruh. Come on, and, and there are infinite possibilities with sure, this, obviously, but I I could absolutely see that because it seems like New Japan is like sure we'll scratch your back and let Carl Anderson go, but you have to help us hype our company, and maybe they want something else to hype their company. Sure, Tony Khan's willing to let William Regal go, but hey, 
we scratch your back, you scratch ours. So maybe it's not the same as the working agreement between AEW and Impact, where people like Frankie Kazarian show up and then have long stays and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But I still think that it could very well be a really exciting time in professional wrestling where maybe we get something pretty fucking crazy, even if it's one night only in exchange for the regal situation, because it seemed like. I, I don't even know how else to say this. The way AEW sent regal off was pretty respectful, right? Like they gave him a 17 minute segment that, that ended in a massive twist. Yeah. If if obviously assuming he's actually going, that's a pretty respectful way to be like, hey, dude, thank you for et cetera, et cetera. That, I don't know, doesn't seem like it's coming from a place of bitterness. No, especially considering it made MJF look so good in the process because, you know, he calls himself the devil for a reason. And it's like, okay, this man just helped you win this championship, which, by the way, the Burberry fucking design love it i fucking love it Mm. but like mjf doing that to the man that helped him win the championship i fucking love it so again it's 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 a crazy time to be a wrestling fan because now that you know this conversation would never be happening if vince mcmahon was still in charge with triple h in charge it's it's a bit different in the sense of like brian mentioned the carl anderson situation going on in new japan Oh, let me just, my memory just got refreshed. Let's also rewind a little under 10 years ago when Kenta was signed to WWE and specifically he was in NXT and they let him go back to pro wrestling Noah and wrestle Namichi Marafuji. That was an example of Triple H having this talent where he's just going, yeah, I mean, do your thing. Well, you know, scratch back, scratch back. And again, it was Triple H and Regal who signed all these New Japan guys, right? Like, I mean, Shinsuke went to NXT. Prince Devitt went to NXT. Kenta was a pro wrestling Noah guy, but went to NXT. Uh, I mean, the, the Mighty Don't Kneel, I forget what they were called in NXT, but they... TM61 or some shit. TM61, thank you. Like, they went to NXT from pro wrestling Noah. So clearly, Triple H has an active ear to the pavement in terms of what's happening outside of WWE, especially when, I mean, what, 90% of the successful wrestlers in NXT were guys who wrestled on the indies in Ring of Honor and PWG. So, I mean, and lo and behold, those very guys like Sami Zayn are now anchoring the main product and the biggest storylines in wrestling. Shocking. Uh, I digress. A concept, if you will. Uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes I get sad. Um, but my point is essentially just Triple H has shown a willingness to be open to this kind of stuff. So your idea makes complete sense. And to Brian's point, this whole idea of a talent swap is I, I said this before, but I want to say it again. It's not out of the realm of possibility with Triple H at the helm. Helmsley. The Helmsley. The Helmsley. Ah. I, I just realized I did that. I'm not that smart. I just, look, bottom line, it, it may not be like, oh, regal for a night of AJ. It may not be something like that. But, like, you got to scratch it's each other's back. It's fun to speculate. And it's fun to speculate. But, again... It's it's fun to think about because 
we don't know what could happen. We don't know if Tony Khan is like, all right, Regal, you want to go back to WWE? You want to be with your son? You want to help Triple H? Which should be for us because we can really use your mind because you're one of the greater minds of probably of all time in professional wrestling. It's a shame you've never won a world championship. It's a shame that I couldn't give you an AEW world title run, but you are 54 with multitudes of injury after injury after injury. And, you know, I'm surprised you even took quote-unquote brass knuckles to the back of the head last night. It is what it is. Hell of a bump, by the way. You know what? It looked good. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for. Not everybody's going to be sting at fucking whatever the fuck AG is and bumping like a man. out of the stands down to the lower level. Darby Allen is rubbing off on that man. Darby Allen is just, it (laughs) makes no fucking sense as to how Sting's moving the way he is. Didn't he injure his neck against Seth Rollins a few years ago? Yeah. You know what it is about the Sting that's always great? Whenever you see him wrestle, AEW, TNA, whatever, he always looks like he's having the time of his life. He looks looks happy. He's 63. Jesus, fuck. And he's just like flying around. Like, remember when he dove off the top rope and just ate a fucking guitar to the dome? diving off the top rope into a guitar that just shattered into pieces. Pretty sure Christian hit him with it instead of Jeff Jarrett, weirdly enough. But it's like, dude's just loving it. But like you said, very few people are sting. Right. And, you know, Regal can't be because of the multitude, all the injuries that he's had. We get it. It, It's fun. It's fun to think about because you never know what could happen. I guess that's the glorious part of this episode. You just never know. I can't wait to see what happens though, because it's fun to it's fun to speculate. Regal in general, losing Regal hurts AEW. You lose a mind like that. You lose a guy that's been so important to your product over the last few months since he since he arrived. Again, he's the reason the Blackpool Combat Club was formed. Obviously, he's the Blackpool of the Blackpool Combat Club. Putting Moxley and Danielson and Yuda and Claudio together. Dope concept. It's it's going to be interesting, though. It's going to be an interesting few next few months or even few weeks, seemingly, if his contract ended in December and we are recording this on December 1st. He may not even be contracted to AEW anymore. Right. We don't know. And that's, I guess, the coolest part of it all. Yeah. And look, who, who knows what other news is going to come up and not just potential AEW wrestlers leaving, but also the potential for WWE wrestlers leaving, you know, potential for new Japan wrestlers leaving. I think we've made it pretty clear over the year or two that we've done this, that we're not necessarily the, the dirt sheet company, if that's what you're looking for. Sorry, it's just not our thing, but this was a topic that I think just captured both of our attention because honestly, originally we were just going to talk about FTR. And then as we were preparing for this episode, it was just, oh, Regal. And then I was like, oh, no, it's actually like three years. And it's like, well, that's a Is it? huge fucking difference between like a yeah. couple of days and a couple of years. Like, well, sure. And then more and more stuff came out. And we were just like, you know, maybe you guys want to hear about this. Maybe you guys want to talk about this. If you do, I mean, dude at the end is going to tell you how you can get in contact with us. We're happy to respond to everybody. We're we're not doing this so you listen to us talk because we want to get our, our ego stroked. We're doing this because we want to talk about wrestling with people who love wrestling. And we just happen to be two of those people. So that's really all it comes down to. And 
Brian, that was a beautiful way to segue the exit of this episode. And also a beautiful way to segue tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash heel dash turns dash headlocks shirts, tank tops, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, long sleeve t-shirts, baseball t-shirts. I'm looking through the list right now. Kids t-shirts, kids hoodies, kids long sleeve shirts, onesies. My kid's too big for a onesie, but I would get him a onesie if I could. Masks. Because people still wear masks. COVID's still real. Wall arts, notebooks, mugs, pillows, totes, tapestries, pins. I didn't know we had all this. Phone cases, laptop cases, stickers, and magnets. If someone gets wall art of heel turns and headlocks, I will drive to wherever you live and shake your hand. I, You know what? Fuck the social distancing thing. I might hug you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you want a bear hug? Mark Henry, where you at? Where is he? He is still in AEW, right? Yeah. It's time for the main event. Oh, now, that's right. He's the Rampage guy. Yeah. And now it is time for us to say thank you all for listening. We love you very much. You, Dude, are, you are good at this. I, I'm on fire. I'm not normally this good. So if you're expecting to come back next week and hear me this good, I'm going to let you down. But for so now, <laughs> just for now about. at least you built the proper expectations. Uh, there you go. For now, I just want to say thank you. I want to say this is awesome. We're happy to be back at Heel Turns and Headlocks. We're happy that you keep giving us support. Uh, hopefully you like what we're talking about. Even if you don't, again, guy at the end is going to tell you how you can tell us how much of a-holes we are. I don't know. Whatever you want to tell us, we'll we'll listen. We And we'll respond. We will we'll respond. respond. Self-deprecating or otherwise. Uh, one way or another, we just want to say thank you. We want to say keep on watching professional wrestling. It's beautiful. Keep on staying safe. More than anything, people, if you can't do anything else, oh, just keep on loving professional wrestling. God, you're so Thanks for listening. Catch us on Twitter at heel underscore turns underscore pod and on Instagram at heel turns and headlocks. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye bye.